And we will go straight into scripture reading, and I'll be reading from the book of Luke, chapter 4, verses 16 through 21. And I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and was his custom, as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is the word of the Lord. All right, good afternoon, everyone. My name's John, uh, associate pastor here at King's Cross. And um, last week, we celebrated Freedom Sunday. Um, And maybe it's a little funny to call it a celebration because at a glance, like if you were here, it was basically a normal Sunday service. Um, And so if you weren't here, uh, let me explain it to you briefly. Freedom Sunday is a growing movement among churches across the world. It's led by International Justice Mission, or IJM for short, um, an organization that Pastor Tim Keller says is, quote, waking up the social consciences of the worldwide church. Waking up our social consciences to what exactly? To injustice. And specifically, the injustice of modern-day slavery and human trafficking. To not only wake up, but as Pastor Sangmin said last week, for the church to actually be raised up as the champion of humanity. And so we call it a celebration because when we do it in a big way, We, as a Jesus-loving, a Jesus-following, a Jesus-worshipping community, are doing what we are called to do. And that is to hear the cries of God's people and to, as Micah 6.8 says, do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. We call it a celebration because breaking chains and setting captives free is the work of God. And that work is celebration worthy. Amen? And so today we continue in that celebration. Uh, Not all celebrations are for amusement and entertainment. Uh, I don't think... I'm that amusing or entertaining. But as all memorable celebrations do, I pray that it would cause us to pause and reflect and to draw up all of our faculties and motivate us toward a goal. So may we be motivated and spirit-filled and strengthened to do justice. So last week, 
Pastor Sangmin taught out of Genesis chapter 1. That's the beginning, right? If you guys know your Bibles. Genesis chapter 1, that's the beginning. And not only the beginning, but the bedrock foundation for what it is to be human. And in effect, why there are, why there must be human rights. Because you, you, you have to do a lot of mental gymnastics to come up with another foundation. If not Genesis 1, it takes a lot of like, ah, to come up with another foundation. And as far as I've heard, none of them can hold the weight. So in the beginning, God created, right? And God created humanity, how? In his image. In his image. That is the highest, the holiest, the most sacred status. In his image, every human, every woman, every man, every child, in his image, everyone, that's with inherent worth and dignity. And God also gave humans choice. The choice to trust God and his will and his design or to trust ourselves, our own ideas, desires, and appetites. The choice to pursue God and the depths of his love or to pursue wealth or comfort or pleasures or power or whatever that is. So why did we have choice? This is a very philosophical, theological question. Why did we have choice? But I believe it is because as God created us in his image, he created us for relationship. If you guys have any kind of meaningful relationships, you know you must have a choice. If you don't have a choice, it's not, it's not really real. He created us for relationship with him and with each other to co-create, to co-steward the rest of creation, to be fruitful and multiply. So not just in numbers of humans, but to bear fruit of God's goodness, to multiply his goodness. See, there's a, there's a fuller picture of the Garden of Eden than simply like a paradise or even the world before sin. It is, the Hebrew word is shalom. Everyone say shalom. And shalom is more than the English translation of the word peace. It is actually, it is, it is more like it is goodness and beauty cultivated, cultivated and lived out. Goodness and beauty cultivated and lived out. Shalom. This was God's design. But we know when we read Genesis 3, and we live it every single day, sin entered 
and sin corrupted this shalom. And so now even our vision of goodness, our vision of beauty is corrupted. Because goodness and beauty, goodness and beauty are the basis of our values. You guys see that? Goodness and beauty, whatever you think is good, beautiful, like that's the basis of what you value. You value most what you believe is most good, most beautiful, most desirable, most worth living for, most worth sacrificing for. And in that, that's where you bear fruit. That's what you will strive to multiply, whatever it is that you value. That's how you're going to live. So sin enters the world. It corrupts shalom. But from that same beginning where sin entered the world, it is God who reaches back to his beloved, his image bearers, his people. See, Adam and Eve, they were naked and ashamed, wanting only to hide themselves from God and from each other. But see, God called them out. God called them out. God reached out to them. And he showed his grace and care to Adam and Eve in a tangible way. He clothed them. He covered them. He covered their shame. And this is God over and over again throughout Scripture, throughout the pages of Scripture. We see the God of compassion continually reach back and pursue his people. See, God's compassion and his justice are inseparable. Every time, every time, Israel, the nations, every time that they would move into deeper rebellion, into deeper and deeper acts that would hurt and harm each other, God heard the cries of his people. And he would raise up a champion. So church, do we hear the cries of his people? So last week we saw and we heard the story of Foley. He's a boy in Ghana who was thrust into forced labor after his grandfather uh, suffered from a serious accident. And at that, during that sermon, also Pastor Sangmin talked about work, which was an essential part of creation, not a result of the fall, even how, how terrible work feels sometimes, but work is actually a part of creation. But he talked about how creation, I'm sorry, how work had been corrupted by sin. And quote, the joy and the glory of work is turned into the abuse of power, of force, forced hard labor solely for the personal gain of the one with power. So that's the story that we heard last week. You know, in forced prostitution, and sexual exploitation. 
what God intended to be an act of the deepest and most trusting of human relationships, an act which is supposed to uplift each other and honor God, becomes one of the worst perversions of the strong violently taking from the weak. You know, I believe it's important for us to to get uncomfortably close sometimes to these realities. And so today I'm going to introduce you to a girl named Cassie. Cassie is a young girl, the youngest of 12 siblings who grew up very poor, away from the city. And when she was 10 years old, a family friend, his name is, he's called AJ, he offered to take her in and to send her to school in the city. It sounded good, so the family agreed and they sent her along. But it was not good. See, AJ was running a cybersex trafficking operation out of his house. See, he, he victimized, he preyed on the children of family, friends, and neighbors. He would rape the girls, film the abuse, and broadcast it online. And customers from the United States, from Australia, New Zealand, the Netherlands, they would pay money to watch. So here is Cassie's testimony on video. It's really hard. It's like I, I was thinking I want to I want to die. I want to die because of this pain, but I can't. When first time uh, my recruiter telling me that oh, Manila is very nice, he said, so I can wear a nice clothes and then he's taking care of me. He told me that he can help me to reach my, all my dreams. First time in Manila, it was very happy because there's a lot of building. You wear nice clothes, you have your own money, you can stay in a nice house. So Manila is very nice compared to my place. We are six big teams inside of the house of my recruiter. My recruiter hurt me every day when I do something bad that he don't like because he want every day, he want I need to follow him. But if I don't follow him, um, he's going to hurt me, just punk me, slap me in the face in front of the people. I really want to kill him. I really want to die that time, but I can't. It's feel very lonely for me because I was very far from my family and I can't tell them what happened to me because I was very scared. When they rescued us, it made me heal 
all the pain. It is in my second home I realize everything that you don't need to lose hope. If I see or if I hear or there is a victim of human trafficking like us, I just want her to comfort her, help her to move forward and just fight for your rights because that's the start where um, where I stand now. Thank you, Cassie. <laughs> she says this. She says, IJM rescued me and transferred me in my home, in my second home. And she smiles and she says, what gives me hope is first God, because he's my father who is there for me always. And my family and my sisters in my second home and the owner of this shelter and all the people who are always there for us just to support us. They are all my strength. You know, I'm so thankful for IJM. It's International Justice Mission. I'm so, I'm so thankful for them, the work that they're doing. They're fueled by the love of Jesus. So I want to tell you briefly again about International Justice Mission. They've been working for the past 25 years to fight human trafficking and slavery they work with local authorities in all the various countries, local authorities and organizations, and they have offices around the world. Because here's the thing, in nearly every country, as far as I know, with the exception of North Korea, like every nation has good laws. Every nation has good laws, but the thing is that globally, 4 billion people live outside the protection of the law. These people are easy prey for predators who would use their power, violence, money, or influence to oppress and enslave, and enslave. These people who value money over human lives. And they do all of this unafraid of consequences. And so IGM comes in and they say, no, 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 no. There are consequences. Just last year, they rescued close to 10,000 victims from violence and oppression. They restrained over 4,000 suspected criminals. They've convicted close to 1,200 perpetrators in local courts. They're doing amazing work. There's so much more work to be done. There's an estimated up to 50 million people enslaved around the world today. That's nearly the population of South Korea. There are almost four times the number of slaves right now today than 400 years of transatlantic slave trade. You guys know what I'm talking about? Human trafficking generates an estimated $150 billion a year, and two-thirds of that is from commercial sexual exploitation. 150 million people and one in four of those are children. Like this is, this is difficult to hear, right? If, if you're a relatively normal human being, like you hear this stuff, it's, it's difficult to hear and it's even more difficult to think about. And it's weird because like to me personally, as I 
talk about these numbers, these facts, these figures, and these dollar signs. Like, it's weird. It's weird to call it an industry. By the way, it's the fastest-growing criminal industry in the world. But then I realized, you know, the Apostle Paul, he says this in 1 Timothy 6.10. He says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. If you love money, if you love, if you really just love money, it's the root of all kinds of evil. And this is a highly profitable enterprise. If you love money more than you love God, more than you love your neighbor, this is the stuff that we get. People are selling people for profit. These kinds of statistics might make you mad. I hope it makes you mad. It might overwhelm you, or you might just kind of feel numb to it. If you've, if you've been aware of this stuff for the past several years, you, you might get numb to these things. But we're called to hear the cries of his people. Every single one of them, every single one of them, an image bearer of God, beloved by Jesus. You know, I, I first, I think I first learned about this stuff in 2000, 2015, 2014, 2015. I don't remember exactly. I saw this documentary called Nefarious Merchants of Souls. Got into this, this thing called Not for Sale, and I was learning all this abolitionist movement. CNN was doing the Freedom Project. I was involved in this thing called Ride Against Traffic here in Korea, where we did a bike ride from Busan to Seoul, and it was all about like generate, like to raise money, to raise awareness, to raise people, raise the church to fight against human trafficking. I did this for six years. I did the bike ride myself, biking myself, I think four times, and I was part of the support staff for the final two years, and the last year was with my wife and my one-year-old daughter. You know, and I was, I was passionate for it. I was passionate for it. I was passionate for it. And man, I haven't since, I don't know, 2017, haven't thought much about it. Like, I know, I know I have God-given responsibilities, and like, my first call is to love my wife, to care for my wife, to care for my children. I know this. And I know that there are seasons for everything. But I also know that as God calls us up to be champions, that to be a champion for justice requires long-suffering and patient endurance. It requires prayers sown when I'm feeling passionate and when I'm not. It takes finances given to enable those on the front lines to work with the governments, the legal systems, the police, the local authorities to bring justice and freedom to those enslaved. But I am encouraged Brothers and sisters, I am encouraged and I pray that we would be encouraged because we have a champion. We have a champion and finally we get to the passage that we read earlier that Daniel Ha read for us. 
But first, let me read from the actual the book of Isaiah 61, and that's where Jesus read from in Luke chapter 4. Isaiah 61 verse 1 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, amen, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, And provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a sign, instead of a spirit of despair. That's Isaiah 61 verses 1 to 3. And here Isaiah explains the goal of the Messiah's anointing. He's talking about the Messiah. He's saying that the Messiah is anointed, and here he lays out the goal of this anointing. To proclaim freedom. Excuse me, let me start at the beginning. To proclaim good news to the poor. To bind up brokenhearted. Freedom for captives. Release from darkness for prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to comfort those who mourn and bestow a crown of beauty instead of ashes. This is the goal of the Messiah's anointing. And so Jesus comes in, Luke chapter 4. He reads this. In verse 20, he, after reading it, he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all the synagogue were on him, and Jesus says to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus is talking about himself. Jesus says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon him and has anointed him. Now, when was Jesus anointed? If you go back a few chapters from in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 3, Jesus is baptized, and it says that at his baptism, the Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove. This is his anointing. So he's anointed by the Spirit at his baptism. And in the book of Luke, what does it say that he does next? The Spirit leads him to the desert to face Satan. Why? Because this marks a new beginning. This marks the start of a new beginning, the start to restore Shalom. Why? Because this encounter with the enemy is very similar to the one recorded in the beginning of Genesis. You guys remember Genesis chapter 3, when the serpent deceived and tempted man and women in the garden, right? The enemy twisted words with half-truths, casting doubt on the goodness of God and enticing 
our ancient ancestors, to reach for godliness without God. See, the enemy, he's like, he's like what? Did, did God really say you can't enjoy anything in the garden? Did, 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 he, really, did he really do that? Like, why is, why is God so restrictive? Why can't you, why can't you take fruit from his tree? Why is he so, why is he so possessive? No, that's, that's, that's dumb. No, 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 no. You won't die. Come on. No, if you, if you take that fruit, you don't, you won't actually need God. You can become like God. Right? That was, that was the temptation back in Genesis. But see here with Jesus, in the desert as he encounters Satan, where the first Adam failed, Jesus chose to trust God and his will and his design. He did not trust his own ideas, his own desires, his own appetites. Jesus was tired. He was hungry. He was exhausted. But he chose to trust God. Jesus chose to pursue God in the depths of his love rather than to pursue wealth, comfort, pleasures, or power. And so here in Jesus was a new beginning, a restoring of the shattered shalom. Goodness and beauty cultivated and lived out. This is Jesus' life. Goodness and beauty cultivated and lived out. So Jesus says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For what? See, it's the same. It's the same goals of the Messiah that Isaiah had prophesied. He's been anointed to proclaim good news to the poor, liberty to captives, Restore sight to the blind. Bind up brokenhearted. Comfort those who mourn. Bring crowns of beauty, not ashes. Jesus, in introducing himself and his ministry, he references Isaiah. Now Isaiah, guys, he's a prophet who describes in verse after verse after verse about God's heart for justice. In fact, we read this earlier, pre-service prayer. Isaiah chapter 1 opens up with God speaking to Israel, speaking to the religious people. And he's like, he's like, guys, I don't, I'm tired of your religious stuff. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of listening to it. I'm tired of your fasting. I'm tired of your, of, of, of your worship. It's just noise to me. I don't want to hear it. And then God says, instead, he, he demands, he says, wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds. And before my eyes, cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. This is what God wants. This is the worship that God wants. And so Jesus quotes Isaiah, right? And he says, I'm the Messiah, I'm here, this is fulfilled. He says that he's come to bring sight to the blind, to proclaim freedom for prisoners. These are very real and tangible actions, 
right? And this is what Jesus proclaims to have come to earth for. This is his mission. And not only that, he says, today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus is restoring the shattered shalom, not just one day in the future, not at the end of time, but that process has begun right now. And then if you follow Jesus along in his ministry, if you walk with Jesus along and you read through his ministry, you will see in his encounters with people, the conversations, the miracles, the signs, you'll see that his ministry is saturated with the work of justice. As he saw people, as he valued those who were outcast and otherwise invisible in that society, he saw them, he loved them, and he restored them. The Spirit of the Lord is upon Jesus because he has anointed him to, again, Micah 6, 8, to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. So guess what? For all of you, for all of you who believe in the name of Jesus, who have accepted Jesus as your, as your Savior, as your Lord, as your King, those of you who trust in him, those of you who know that it is Jesus' perfect life, his death on the cross that paid for the forgiveness of my sins, your sins, his resurrection from the grave, his ascension to the right hand of God, the Father Almighty in heaven, and his coming return. Those of you who believe these things, and even right now, if you're hearing this, you're like, man, yes, I want to believe. Even if right now is the first time, like, yes, I want to believe. I want to believe. I want to know this Jesus. I want to trust this Jesus. And you make that decision. Then you have been anointed by the Holy Spirit. First John chapter 2, verse 20 says, You have been anointed. By the Holy One. Acts 2, 38. Peter's talking. He says, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1, 13 says that when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So the Spirit of the Lord is upon you, believer. For what? To feel good about yourself? Yeah, I think so. I think that's a big part of it. Definitely. Yes, to be restored and forgiven. That's amazing. What a joy, right? What a joy to know that even as God sees into the depths of your heart, into your pride, your lust, your greed, your selfishness, as he sees into that and he sees the ugliness and he says, Jesus covers you and I see beauty. I see my beloved. And what a joy 
So yes, definitely. Yes, the Spirit of the Lord is on you for that. Yes, but guys, that is not the end of it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you to proclaim good news to the poor, proclaim liberty to the captives, Restore sight to the blind, bind up the brokenhearted to comfort those who mourn, bring, bring crowns of beauty, not ashes, and joy instead of mourning, praise instead of despair to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We are called to this. We are anointed by the Holy Spirit for this. And let me be clear, because this is the gospel. Jesus, this is free. This is a free gift. You don't have to do anything to earn this. Let me be clear. This is God's love and grace over us. There's nothing that you or I have ever done, can ever do to earn this. We receive it. And once it's received, there is a, there is a, there is a purpose beyond like just me and how I feel. He has anointed us to participate in the work of justice. And when we do this, it's not just good. It is Christ-like. When we do this, it's not just good. It is us following our Jesus. Now, I don't have a whole lot of practical steps, except for this one, and I think it's huge. If you've heard this, then may we be challenged to take it. To take responsibility, to take ownership, to understand and embrace that this is ours to hold and embrace and champion as we have a champion that is for us. So let me pray. We've heard the statistics. We've heard, like, you might be aware of it. You might have been aware of it for years and years of just the, the darkness of human trafficking. You might have heard it for the first time today. But as we struggle to sit with that, would you bring that to the Lord? Let's open our minds and our hearts to our God who knows us and sees us and loves us, the God who cares, the God who hears the cries of his people. And if you belong to Christ, if you belong to Christ and you know that you have been anointed by the Holy Spirit, Would you pray to be strengthened to take this, to take this call to do justice, to love mercy, to walk with our God? We thank you, Jesus, that you are the champion. You are the Savior, you are the King, you are the Lord of Lords, you are the, you are the God that knows us, sees us, and loves us, God. You accept us, you cover us, you make us, you make us yours. Thank you, O oh God, 
And you call us to your good work to restore shalom. Oh God, would you strengthen your people to love this call, to figure out and learn ways to walk in this calling in the places that we are. Open us up, oh God. Strengthen us, feeble arms and and legs. God, strengthen us to walk with you, God, because you are doing amazing things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.